tuned in with the underground Christian Network. Philippians 3, verse number 2. I asked for a vicious dog to be on that screen. That looks like a vicious dog. And we don't have a whole Scripture. We're just going to read three words. We'll get some more Scriptures later on. Three words. First three words. Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. That will be the title for this morning's message. And the three words are these. Beware of dogs. Let's say that together. Beware of dogs. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, I ask and pray for your blessing and continued anointing upon the remainder of this service. We're believing God for some breakthroughs in people's lives. Father, that your word would go forth in power and might. God, not because I would speak them, but Lord, because they are your word. And we ask and pray for the prompting of the Holy Spirit to be upon what we would say, that it would penetrate the mind and the spirit and soul of every person here. God, they would see the importance of this, in Jesus' name, Amen. And I have asked for some help. I'll um, I'll have them to come and sit on the front row, if you would, please. And then uh, afterwards, you don't have to sit back on the front row. But in this scripture that we've read, and something that I learned, Marvin Musgrave, I asked for. He's going to school at Wren Lake, and I asked him to get me a book on dogs. And that's what he did. He went to the library there at Wren Lake, got me a book on dogs. And I got a lot of this stuff out of that book. And uh, one of the things at the beginning of the introduction of that book, it says the words here that Paul says, Beware of dogs. Any Roman province that they have found in the ancient world, if they dig long enough, they'll find those words written in Latin. That was a sign that people would put upon their door, upon their gate, beware of dog. So Paul used that same term by the Holy Spirit's prompting to say, beware of dogs. And what Paul was doing was likening people to dogs. And I grant you, that may be unfair to the dogs at times. But that's what Paul did, not me. So he says, beware of dogs. And I just want to say on the outset, the biggest problem that you have is you. Not somebody else. Oh, it's the devil. The devil made me do it. No, it's you. You're the biggest problem you've got. And to start this message off, We've got a couple in this church that has a dog story. Some have already heard the dog story. Others have not. It's going to be worth it for you to hear the dog story. So I've asked George and Jenny Thomason, so I'm going to ask them to come right on up, and they can tell the dog story. I'd had uh, a bad accident, and I had surgery on my back and neck, and I was in this neck brace, and um, I couldn't walk very good, and part of my rehab was to do a lot of walking, 
but I was just kind of, I had this neck brace on, and I was kind of walking like this. And we was over at her grandma's in Flora, and uh, they were cleaning up an old lot. And, um, yeah, I was walking back and forth from this old lot to their house. And on one of the trips back and forth, I was just walking down the sidewalk, just kind of like this, and I heard something coming up behind me. And I thought, well, it must have been the kids. I turned around, and wham, this pit bull come and latched onto my groin. And it was, it was a big pit bull. It looked big. But anyway, it dropped me to my knees like this, and I about passed out. And I, I panicked, and I, I just started punching and punching and punching it. But there wasn't, there wasn't anything I could do to get it off of me. I, mean, I just punched and punched and punched that dog. And um, well, I need to back up just a little bit because this has been seven years ago, and I wasn't a Christian then. And part of the things we did was, was that we was, I'd been drinking a little bit. So anyway, I, I was probably a little bit slower than I saw. I probably wasn't like that. It's probably more like that, you know. But uh, <laughs> they, the dog wouldn't let go. And if any of you have ever been around pit bulls, when they latch on, like that, you know. Anyway, I, I just, oh, I could not hardly take it. Finally, I just took my thumbs and I just dug them into his eyes. And he backed off a little bit and I kicked him and he backed off some more. And he started to come back and I kicked him again. But I was on the ground and I couldn't hardly move. And luckily, my father-in-law, he heard it, and all the neighbors and everything, they come running out there. We was in the middle of the street, and they grabbed the dog, and then I was laying there on the ground, and I looked down, and there was blood all over me. And they said, oh, we got we to gotta look. <laughs> I had sweatpants on, and I said, I, I don't want to look, because everything just felt numb. And I was just wondering whether there was anything there or not. <laughs> and they said, we got to look. So they looked, and there was a lot of blood and everything. They picked me up, and they put me in a car, and they took me to the hospital. And then at the hospital, I was laid out there, and I just, I was in hysterics. I was just screaming and screaming. And they said, well, we got to get him calmed down. So they got this big needle, and they said, give him a shot of Demerol. So they gave me a shot of Demerol, and I don't know if any of you have ever had a shot of Demerol, but... You, they shouldn't do that after you've had three or four beers. So they gave me that, and man, immediately I just burst out with sweat, and I started tearing my clothes, tearing my clothes off and everything. And uh, I was laying there naked on the uh, emergency room table, and then I'll let my wife tell the rest of it. I kept trying to put the sheet up over him, but he wouldn't leave it up there. And the, so the cops, they have to come in because it's been reported. Then they have to do all that. And the cops said, now where was he bit? And I went. And he went, oh. Every man that has ever heard that story does the same motion. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so then he said, well, we're going to have to have pictures. <laughs> and I... <laughs> I said, 
Why? And he said, because it has to go on police record, and so we have to have pictures. My whole family was standing out in the waiting room there, and I said, well, I don't have a camera. My cousin says, I've got a Polaroid at home. I'll run home real quick. So she goes home and gets that camera, and she (laughs) brings it back. And they used to have these cameras that talk to you whenever you would (laughs) take the pictures. And I didn't know it. I didn't know how to shut it off or anything. So I'm taking these pictures, and it's saying, smile. Now say cheese. (laughs) And it was really, really awful. But... He, we went to Alney and he got stitches and we have the twins, so <laughs> everything was okay. <laughs> That's the story. I was walking bad before, but afterwards I was really walking bad like that for about six months. But something that I thought about later is I watch Discovery Channel all the time. And um, uh, if you've ever watched it, that the predators on there, they seek out people or their victims that are the weakest. And I think that that pit bull saw me as a weak victim and he come at me. But I think that stands true in Christian life, too, is if, if we're weak in, in our Christianity, that the devourer is going to come and seek us out first. In the in the other version, George even tells how many stitches he got and the whole bit. And and I told a guy down at McLeansboro who was working me and Willie and Frank, and then was working on his house, and we was telling him the story. And uh, how many stitches was it, George? Eighteen stitches. When when Willie told the guy that George had eighteen stitches, that guy says, "Well, I am impressed with this guy now." <laughs> uh, Beware of the dogs. In Isaiah chapter 56, verse 10 and 11, God's Word reads like this, His watchmen are blind, they are ignorant, they are all dumb dogs that do not bark. They are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. And we've got a few dogs we're going to look at this morning. And dog number one is... The junkyard dog. The dog that's always got his nose and his head into some kind of garbage and some kind of filth and is not happy unless he is doing exactly that. I remember when the whole Jimmy Swagger fiasco came about, I seen some so-called Christian people rubbing their hands together and really were gleeful because that happened. That person is a junkyard dog. Steve Garrison told me just recently, he said that, that when that happened concerning uh, Jimmy Swaggart, he said, I sat down and I cried like a baby. I'm telling you, the people that will look at ministries and will be happy when they fall and will be sad when they succeed, they are a junkyard dog. And, the, and, and Paul would say this, beware of junkyard dogs. Then number two, there's the old hound dog. How many remembers? Wasn't that old hound dog that was on Hee Haw? That laid on the porch? The old hound dog is so lazy. If you throw that dog a bone, it's got to be or even a biscuit or whatever. It's got to be right there in front of its face or it ain't even going to move to make the effort 
to get what's thrown to them. It's got to be right there. And I've heard this down through the years. Preacher, I'm just not getting fed. I think they're a junkyard. I think they're an old hound dog that's too lazy to actually do what it takes to be fed. Then there is the bulldog. We've heard about the bulldog. The bulldog. The bulldog's always bulled up about something. The bulldog sits like this and just... I'm not for that, I'm not for that, I'm not for that. The bulldog. Bulled up. Bull, constantly bulled up. Or bullying somebody. Whether it's a, a screaming tirade or an emotional outburst or what, any way that they found where it would bully someone. Beware of that dog. Beware of the bulldog. Pharisees in Jesus' days, they were bulldogs. They were always bulled up and mad about something. Constantly you read these words. They were offended at the words of Jesus. They got bulled up about it. And I'll tell you, there's something scary about someone who is a bulldog, someone who is a Pharisee. Because they'll see the sin in everybody else, but they'll never see it in themselves. They'll never see it in themselves. They will talk about whether it's the drunk or whatever, the drug addict, but they themselves filled with pride and arrogancy. They will never ever see that in themselves. And that is a scary place to be. And I'll tell you what, I've never even, I've never even talked this over with George, but I can just about guess the guy that owned that pit bull dog, you know what he would say? That dog's not a mean dog. You ever notice that about pit bull dog owners? Oh, he's a good dog. You're just antagonizing. George is probably antagonizing him some way. Are you, you sure you wasn't antagonizing? I mean, there was a woman in San Francisco that got mauled to death. And the owners brained it on the woman saying what kind of perfume she wore. The only people that love pit bull dogs are pit bull dog owners. And I wonder if the only people who know that loves the Pharisee is who Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And I bet he loves the pit bulldog. Then there's the bird dog. And there are two kinds of bird dogs. Pointers and sitters. Oh, look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Or else, the sitters. God, His first name, God, that name, two words, the first two words are this. Go! Go into all the world and preach the Gospel. The mandate for this church and every church in America and around the world is to go. And yet, the first three words in the, in the devil's name, in Satan's name, is that. If the devil can get us to where we're complacent and where we're just compliant with what's going on, where we're willing to sit down and let the world go to hell in a handbasket, he will be thrilled about that. Go. We are to go and not to set. And there's a German Shepherd dog. How many of you ever watched Top Cops? You're going to see a German Shepherd on that show. Wasn't Tango a German Shepherd? Poor Tango. Tango. A top cop dog. German Shepherd dogs are law dogs. Law dogs. Go back to uh, Philippians chapter 3 where we started. Look in chapter 3, verse 
number nine. Let's look at all everybody. Look at this together. These are not my words. I am not a heretic. I did not create this last night. These have been around for 2,000 years old. These are the words of Paul the Apostle. And he writes, And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. That needs to be proclaimed in every church in America. Our own righteousness is basically our own good works and it comes from the law, and it will not save you or me. Paul goes on and finishes the thought, which is but we have which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God through faith. Galatians 5.18 But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Some people enjoy being the German shepherd dog. We're keeping the law, preacher. And in doing that, deep down within me, I think I'm God's special little child. That's false. That's false. You can say, well, I'll show you this or I'll show you that. I can show you Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. But let's just stick with these two. And again with Galatians. But if you be led of the Spirit... You are not under the law. I've just read a Chuck Colson book, and in this book he says these words, and the whole book, this one sentence just struck me. I mean, it just lowered the boom on me. I thought, man, how accurate that is. But the fact remains, people will always choose order over liberty. It happened 70 years ago in Germany. When Hitler said, I'll take your guns, I'll take your freedoms, I will take your liberty, but I will bring order to this state that we're in. And the people lined up and said, we will do that. And basically they're saying, Hitler, you become our God and tell us what to do. Now I hope that thought did not go over everybody's head. Because of all the points I'll make today, that is probably, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most important. We want order. We want law. We don't want we need freedom. That ain't, ain't the important part. No, not liberty. Just as long as somebody can tell us which way to go, what to do, give us the law and we'll be satisfied. And there are people that will line up to that kind of theology and believe that, but I'm here to tell you, Paul did not preach that. I'll give you the Scripture again. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law but having the righteousness which is of God by faith. Preacher, I'm keeping the law. Good for you. Give you a gold star. Keeping the law. That's why most churches you go into, they've got right there on the wall, on the wall, and this is our code. This is what we teach. This is what we believe. Well, what about that? Is that in the Bible? No, but that's what we come up with a hundred years ago, and that's what we stand by, and this is what we do. I'm keeping the rules. And in keeping the rules, it makes us a little bit better than the church down the road. I got a Hebrew word for that. Phooey on that. Phooey on that. It will create a false self-righteousness that will stunt you in the, in the work of God is what will happen. We dress this way at our church and therefore we must really be holy and 
not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but having the righteousness of God through by Christ through faith, that is what God is pleased with. The next dog, the chow dog. We had a dog one time that was part chow. And here's what Justine, my sister, said. Mark, those chow dogs, I never really give it any thought until I was getting this message ready. And it reminded me what she said. So I was thinking about some of the different dogs we've had down through the years. Every dog we've had down through the years has been a idiot dog, really. Every dog we've had. Every dog we've had. But then it come back to mind what Justine said about the chow dog. She said, Mark, them chow dogs look real good, but they got a black tongue. And I'm thinking, she's making that up. And I went home and looked at our idiot dog and opened its mouth, and there there was a little black tongue. Do you have a black tongue? Do you? Do you look good, but you got a black tongue? Open your mouth and you got a black tongue. Do you know what I think needs to happen in this church? Any way you can, you need to brag on someone else. If there's something in you where you've got to try to destroy or defame or tear down what somebody's doing, I can, I can rest assured that is not from the Spirit of God. We ought to take every excuse we've got to brag on people in this church. I want every Sunday school teacher to stand up, every Royal Ranger person to stand up, every person that works in the mission ad. I want all these people, would you please stand up? Praise team, stand up. Stand up, stand up. And there are numerous other jobs we could have people standing up for. Give these people a hand clap for what they're doing. <clears throat> well, preacher, you're saying these things just so people will think to brag on you after the church service. That's not the reason, people. I never have waited for that. If I've waited for that, I'd have quit a long time ago. I don't need that, and I'll tell you why. I get phone calls on a weekly basis now. People calling and saying, I heard such and so tape. These people I never met. People I ain't got a clue who they are. I met, I, I heard this tape. Is there any way that I can come over to the church and meet you? And just this week, there was a, a woman and her, and her neighbor that come from Mount Vernon. They wanted to come over. They wanted to see the church. They wanted to see everything that was going on. They needed more tapes. They wanted to all be saved. And they said, if you can do this, this is their comment, if you can do this out here where the houses are so far apart, I think we ought to be able to do something like this in Mount Vernon. And I said, Sister, I agree with you. I believe you can. I have people telling me, calling me up and Man, that's the greatest message I ever heard. I always have the same thought. You need to get out more. So brag on somebody. And then there's the poodle dog. The poodle dog walks in. The poodle dog looks good. 
Basically, this is nine times out of ten. The poodle dog will come in late because the poodle dog wants other people knowing that the poodle dog's there. <laughs> and ain't nothing wrong with looking good. But man, I think you can look good and you can get your hands dirty at the same time. I think you can look good and do a job at the same time. You can do your job looking good. And there ain't no problem with that. But when they come in and it's the idea of, you know, i got my hair in a bow and I've got every, all the nails painted and I'm, I'm, I'm clipped and everything is just right. And, you know, I'm the poodle dog and I'm walking in. And, you know, you ought to be real thankful that I'm even here. The poodle dog looks good, but the poodle dog don't want to do anything. I'm going to give you a trivia question. Here's the trivia question in real life. The poodle dog looks good. The troops can march just right. And they can look snappy in their new uniform. But they ain't going to do nothing. We just look good. That's our job. Here's the trivia question. Can you tell me what country the poodle dog originated from? There it is! France! Yeah! We look good, but no, we ain't going to go to war. We might get our uniforms dirty. Originated from France. And then there's the old coon dog. How many of you ever been coon hunting? Boy, in my time, I have plumbed them trees and shook out them coons to train them dogs. And you're thinking, I bet that tree wasn't five foot tall. <laughs> Tell you the problem with coon hounds. I worked with a guy that every every year I knew when coon season was in because my workload at work went up dramatically. The reason why? He was out all night long with the coon hound. And the trouble with coon dogs is they have a hard time making it to church on Sunday morning because they've been running all night Saturday night. And probably treeing up the wrong tree. Or treeing slick, as the coon hunters like to say. There ain't nothing up there. Then the last one is the Chihuahua dog. Is that Chihuahua or Chihuahua? Chihuahua. The Chihuahua dog is the smallest dog in the world. It weighs between four and six pounds. The way I look at it, the problem, and beware this dog, the problem this dog is, weighs between four and six pounds. Smallest dog in the world. It never grows up. Always got to have a bottle. Preacher, stick a bottle in my mouth at the pulpit and make sure you burnt me at the back door and I might make a mess between here and there, but don't ever ask me to grow up. And Paul says, be no more children, but grow up. And last but not least, what would be the last dog I would use? This, this, this is not beware of dogs here. Because they're good dogs and, and they're some bad dogs, but we saved the good dog for last. Bastard hand. Nobody's saying it yet, I ain't. Uh, you ain't thinking. You ain't thinking. What was it? I heard it. St. Bernard. John got it right. St. Bernard. 
St. Bernard, the last dog we're going to mention. The St. Bernard's over in the Alps area, those dogs rescue on the average a hundred people every year. They're going where men cannot go, or someone even in a helicopter can certainly not find and trail and get on the scent. But these dogs with their little cask around their neck of brandy or whatever's in that, there have been known incidents when these dogs have found people and they lay on them for body warmth until help has been able to arrive. They know of 2,500 people who have been rescued in the last 100 years because of these dogs. The St. Bernard. One dog rescued 40 people in its 12 years of work and has become a legend over in Europe because of what it has done. I read just recently, may have been in a Maxwell book, he says that there was an 80-year-old man planting an apple orchard. And a young guy pulled up and got out of his sports car and walked over where he was at. And he said, Sir, you ain't expecting to eat any apples off that tree, are you? And the old man says, No, I won't, but somebody will. I love that kind of attitude. That's not just about me, 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 me. No, but somebody will. I told you a story before of, an, of a preacher from India named Sanjay Singh. And Sanjay Singh decided to go into a remote village where the gospel had never been proclaimed before. And him and his buddy decided to go, and it was during the winter time, and it got cold and getting colder, and then a blizzard blew in, and they said, we're never going to make it. And the, and the man said, we've got to turn back. And Sanjay Singh said, no, we're almost there. We're going forward. And about that time, they came across a hump in the middle of the road with snow all over. And it was a man. And Sanjay Singh reached down and brushed the snow away from him and rolled him over and, and fell around and said, he's alive. Help me carry this man to the village that we're going. And the other man said, no, if I do that, we'll all perish. And Sanjay Singh lifted that man up put him across his shoulder, and began to carry him to the village. And he got a few miles down the road, and there his buddy was, covered with snow, dead. And he took this man that he had found, and he carried him on into the village. And while he's doing it, he just notices that his whole face, and he can feel inside his clothes, he's just soaking wet. And he's just, it's just a... a his heart is pounding and it's just all he can do to take the next step. But he finally gets to the village and he puts the guy down. And There was a medical doctor there and the doctor examines him and says, this man's barely going to make it, but he's going to make it. And then he looks to the preacher and said, preacher, you don't know it. By you rescuing that man, you rescued yourself. Because it made your heart work that much harder and you sweat and it brought out a good sweat on you and it made that your blood pump even faster in your veins. Otherwise, it would have frozen in your veins. By you rescuing that man, it saved yourself. Christians, this is the message we all need to get. Others. It is about others. 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 It is not about me. It is not about you. It is about others. I want the praise team to come back, please.
General Booth that started the Salvation Army was asked to go to Chicago and preach. And when he got there, he got really sick and he couldn't make it to the meeting. And they said, send us. Just send us something. Send us your notes. Send us something so what you was going to preach and we'll read it from the pulpit. And he agreed to that. And he put his notes in an envelope. And he handed it to a man who went to the to the hotel to pick up his notes. And that night at the big conference with all the preachers there, the man opened up the note and there was the one word on his notes. And the word was, Others. Others. And the man read it. Others. And it was like the power of God swept through those people. And that is the mandate. Reaching people for Jesus Christ. Paul said, beware of dogs. Don't have a growling, snapping, dog-like spirit. But if you're going to be like, be like that with St. Bernard. He's going to rescue someone. Even if it's going to cost him his life, he's going to rescue that person. Would you please stand? Hallelujah. Bow your heads. Father, I ask and pray that by your sovereign Holy Spirit, you would seek through. You would seek through this audience. God, by Your power, You're going to speak and touch people's lives. God, they're going to see the need of saying yes, yes to a living Savior. Because Lord, You Yourself, You came 2,000 years ago from another place to this planet to rescue fallen man. God, we will shout about that through eternity for what You have done for us. God, I ask and pray this morning the people here that need they need the Spirit of God upon their life. They need the resolve that You can put in them to say yes to You and follow through with that decision. God, let today be their day. As Your Holy Spirit right now, as He knocks, as He knocks, as He knocks, God, that people would respond to You now. As they sing, let the Spirit of God deal with You. Don't turn Him away. Don't turn a deaf ear. You can in this life can either accept or you can reject or you will ignore. I see that time and time again. People in this life ignoring. They try to fill their life up with drink, with drugs, with sex, with what entertainment, with whatever they can find. They're ignoring the knock of God. And God is knocking. If your heart condemns you, the Bible says that God is greater than your heart. Right now, you can respond. You can get the, the chains broken, the monkey off your back, whatever the problem is, God is there big enough to come through in your hour of need. Right now, hit these altars if you have a need. Bring it to Him. You're tuned in with the Underground Christian Network.